0: You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. So this morning, If you would turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And while you're turning there, um, just a couple of thoughts I wanted to share with you. Uh, First of all, I hope you guys have kept up with your assignment of uh, reading Titus each week. And uh, obviously, we're taking a break from Titus today. And and we took a break last week, Um, a little earlier than I intended to take a break from Titus. But God's sovereign. And he's good, and he had a powerful message for Gary to deliver last week, and I'm so thankful that he did. And, um, and I, just, I just regret that I couldn't be here. I've told Gary this a couple of times. I just regret that I couldn't be here to sit under his teaching uh, in that. Uh, we missed you guys last week. We did. We are so grateful for uh, your prayers, your calls, your texts. Uh, some of you have even provided meals. Thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. We, we appreciate that. It was felt And it was needed. So thank you. Um, Just a quick update uh, on our brother-in-law, Tim Wallace. Jesus Christ healed him fully and completely this last week. So he is celebrating in heaven, riding the streets of gold on his favorite horse, and whatever else he may be doing. Um, I don't want to speculate too much, but I I could regale you with stories for hours on all of the things that I know that Tim would be loving to do in the presence of God in heaven. Um, So please do continue to pray for us, especially his wife and his daughter, family and friends. uh, Tim was involved. He planted three churches himself. He he was instrumentally involved in planting 16 other churches in the state of Arkansas. Um, He will be missed by many. Um, So his services are this coming Wednesday, 1 o'clock at the Cross Church in Rogers. And uh, so, uh, anyways, there's just a quick update on that. And, uh, you know, we're not the only ones who have loved ones that are, that are celebrating of being fully healed uh, in heaven right now. We know that there are many others who have experienced that same uh, either recently or even not too long ago. And so, um, it's, a, it's an interesting tension of celebrating yet mourning. Of, of being so excited for where they're at and and their right their race being done and yet missing them immensely and deeply and uh you know i believe just a personal belief i don't know what the theological implications of this are but in hebrews 12 1, where it talks about that there is a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on they are they're cheering us on uh that that their race is done And many of them have already got to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And yet God still is giving us breath. He's still causing our heart to pump blood and and take that next beat. So we're not done yet. We're not done our race, but they're cheering us on. And so um, let us continue in that. Let us continue running that race, first and foremost for God's glory and his sake, but also in honor of those who have already finished. Um, and that we might, we might live out our lives well, and that we might join them someday and, and hear that same well-done, good, and faithful servant. And as we've talked about over the last several weeks, I believe we, we best do that, living out the GC squared life. GC, first part of that being the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. I'm sorry, I switched them. Great Commandment, Great Commission. Loving God, loving others being the Great Commandment in Matthew 22, Great Commission of where we are going out and we are loving others by sharing the gospel with them, making disciples, baptizing them. Uh, And that's in Matthew 26. So would you pray once again with me? Lord, we need you desperately each moment of every day. And there are moments of our days that we, we forget how desperately we need you. Lord, I am keenly aware of how desperately I need you in this moment. And I know there are others here who are feeling that same thing. And Lord, I praise you for being in that place, of knowing this is nothing about us. This is nothing that we can do. Because it's in these moments that we get to experience a fresh and new and different mercy of you carrying us and speaking through us And providing for us in ways that we wouldn't have experienced otherwise. So Lord, guide our time this morning. Speak to us through your word. God, let this morning be about you. A celebration of you and who you are. And your life and your work on the cross. And defeating death. Amen. So... Today is Palm Sunday. It is on this day that we as believers celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ at the beginning of the Passover week, hundreds, thousands of years ago. It was the beginning of the celebration for the Jews to to celebrate the Passover that began in their exodus from Egypt. And it was this celebration, it was this celebration that Jesus chose to reveal himself to his people, for who he truly was, up to this point in his ministry, as you read through the Gospels, you see Christ doing signs and wonders, and teaching, and 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 dropping hints, but never just outright claiming it. and And we can speculate, you know, as to why he would have done that. Perhaps, perhaps he wanted all the evidence of his teaching and the signs and wonders, and even. It's believed just a couple of days prior where he raised Lazarus from the dead. He wanted all of these things to to support this revealing of who he was. So there would be no doubt. Maybe it was just truly only just to be in submission to God's will and God's perfect timing and plan, which would have stand alone in and of itself. But we can be sure... Of this, it was exactly at the right time, at exactly at the right moment. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 tells us, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So not only was it at the right time, He died, He came into, He inserted on mission into the timeline of eternity, into history, exactly at that point, at that time, and at that place. It wasn't today in 2018. It was then. He revealed himself on Passover Sunday or on Palm Sunday during the beginning of the week of Passover for who he truly was to the people. And if you've grown up in the church uh, like I have or maybe you're a new believer and your understanding of of Palm Sunday is that it's just a great celebration of the palm branches and and the shouting of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's more than that. It's more. It was a celebration. It was was, and it was also in the midst of a trial. See, Jesus Christ was experiencing a triumph in the midst of a trial. And the people understood their triumph of this day to be something different than Jesus hoped that it would be for them. At least I believe that. You see, they, they had been in slavery and oppression from the Roman government for hundreds of years. They had been beaten down. They had been tortured. They had been thrown in jail. They had been pillaged. They had been taken out of their homeland. They had been told who they can worship and who they can't worship. Their walls have been destroyed. And they're... They're in a place of celebration of triumph, thinking that Jesus was going to come in and be their earthly king. And so this is what they are excited about and celebrating during the Passover. Even the disciples, there's, there's scriptures and verses, and I don't have them all in my notes here, but there are scriptures and verses indicating that, and in, I think it was in John 12, where the disciples even indicated that They didn't even really understand it until after Christ had died, rose again. And then as they pondered and looked back, they're like, oh, I get it. I get it. So for the people, it was a lowercase triumph. It was to be freed from their current trial. And they misunderstood what they should be truly celebrating. They should be celebrating an uppercase triumph, a triumph that would span for all eternity, that would allow them to be in holy communion and fellowship with God from that day forward. The ultimate and final sacrifice that would never have to be repeated ever again for the sin of mankind. The city was overflowing. There was a collective breath drawn there was an excitement. There was three and a half years of his ministry of him going around. And many of them had witnessed Jesus perform these miracles himself. Some of them even were recipients of the miracles. There was, or they had family and friend who went and saw them. And there was this high expectation, this excitement, this emotion, this, this I'm about to explode moment. It's it's kind of like your sports team, after years and years and years, right? Khalif finally winning the Super Bowl. And the palm branches are their giant foam fingers waving in the air. They're excited. Or you're finally getting to go see that concert of your favorite artist or band. And you've waited. It feels like your whole life. And they're about to come out on stage. And for those of us who are older, it was the lighters in the air We're like our palm branches. Nowadays, it's your cell phones, Right? Is that same kind of excitement about to explode out of them, and that's what they're feeling. And, And this Palm Sunday was that for them. But Jesus knew that this all capital triumph would be much more than what they were celebrating. You see, Jesus was about to undergo the trial of all eternity. See, we know this. We have the advantage of his written word. So we can look back over this. There's, there are even secular historical documents and archaeology that proves that this happened. It's not in question in the timeline of human history that this took place and that this happened. Jesus knew it was going to be this way because it was his purpose and his mission. He came to earth to do this. This was not plan B. This was before the span of time. This was about to happen. This was always in his future. Luke 19.10 reminds us of Jesus' purpose. His purpose was to come to seek and to save the lost. So on the timeline of eternity, on this Palm Sunday this day that we're celebrating today, the triumphal entry was on the eve of the most tragic and significant and loving trial ever to be endured. And that trial was the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on a cross. See, that death that would be coming up in a few days We celebrate it as on Good Friday, this coming Friday. It was more than just the physical agony that he in human form experienced. And yes, that would be the absolute most amazing triumph to ever occur on the timeline of eternity as well. But first, he must complete the trial and walk through that. It was a tension between a celebration and a tragedy. It was a tension between a triumph and a trial going on at the same time. The celebrating of our loved one whose race is run and done and the trial of missing them and grieving their loss. And there are many other trials that each of us could place in that if it's a job loss, a a broken relationship, a a struggle uh, financially, whatever, there's that tension that we as believers have. We have trials to go through. And yet there's always the triumph of the cross that we can lean on and stand on and trust in. So as as we read our text this morning, Matthew 21, verse 1, Keep this all in mind. Keep this in mind. And keep in mind that this time on the cross for Jesus is far more of a trial than anything we could ever go through. What we go through is not, I'm not saying it's chump change. I'm not saying it's not hard. But Christ was in perfect, intimate relationship with God the Father for all of eternity. And then to break that to come to earth and then to sever that on the cross by taking on himself the sin, the one thing that God hates and cannot be in the presence of because he is holy and he is righteous. He took that on for us, for God's glory. And he was about to sever that and that's something that, that our human brains can't even wrap our hands around. We just, we just can't even go there. It's not possible. But to think that your, li- your world, your life is perfect, intimate fellowship forever, and then for it to be severed and broken. But what a comfort that he did. Not only for our salvation... But also because we can trust and know without a shadow of a doubt that He is our great high priest who can empathize with us, as it says in Hebrews 4. So, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them. And bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when Scripture repeats itself, it's not a typo. Scripture is wanting to be very clear of that he is coming in on a donkey, not on a horse or a stallion or something else. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal, and then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying. This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And then in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19, it adds this at the end. It says, Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you. If they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. There would be no denying his revealing of who he was to his people on this day. If the people were not going to shout it and cry out, even if for the wrong reasons, there would be a miracle and the stones would be crying out. Amen. He would not be denied. And again, this, this celebration was highly anticipated. It was very emotional. They're waving the giant foam fingers, the lighters, the phones. There's there a myriad of emotions and all of these. And, and, and here was Jesus coming in, unveiling himself as a king coming in on a donkey because that's how a king would come into its city, to come in peacefully. They would ride in on a donkey a king coming in on a horse or a stallion well that would mean he's there to conquer and to take over this is i'm coming in in peace in grace and humility it was not about that he was almost like one of them they had they knew his parents they knew his family they knew where he they knew the house he grew up in he was poor he was common folk. He was rejected by many like they had been rejected. And yet, they have come to this place, the people did, where they wanted and needed a king and thought, maybe this is our king. This is our earthly king. And it reminded me of in 1 Samuel 8, when Israel started crying out for their first earthly king, who would become King Saul. Saul. To God. It was, again, a we think this will help us. We think because Samuel the prophet's getting old and you're going to die, we need a king like all our neighbors so we can look like them and be like them and be cool. And we won't get attacked and overrun. But what it was, it was a we want to be rescued from our trial. We want to not have this difficulty to go through. And so like them, we today often don't get it still. How many ways, how many times, if we stop and think, has Christ revealed himself to us? Guys, we can step out those doors and go to a tree and look and see Christ in creation and see the beauty and the creativity and the complexity of his creation When we cut ourselves and our bodies scab over and heal. The way our bodies can fight off horrible, terrible diseases. Sometimes to where they go into remission. Right, Anner? And sometimes not. We can see him everywhere in everything. And sometimes sometimes it's a track left inconspicuously by somebody. Y'all know J.B. Dill. We've had this conversation, and that's one of the things he loves. That He loves to leave tracks and places that people, he's like, don't tell anybody this. He said, I'll go down the beer aisle at Walmart and stick him in the, in the cases of beers. So that way when somebody, and, and it wasn't long after we had lunch and he told me that, I'm like, man, that's fantastic. High five. You don't have to hide that from me. It was like a couple of weeks later, I heard another story of somebody saying that was the seed planted in their life and they came to know Christ because he's like, you'd never believe this, but I was first introduced to the gospel when I was on the 10th beer of my case and there was a tract that fell out and I read it. I'm like, hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm, I've lost my place. That was too good not to say. God can do so much through so things. How many ways does he reveal ourselves? How how many times are we going to reject him? Are we going to say no? Jesus was offering freedom. All caps, bolded, underlined. Biggest font you can put on your screen. And yet the people were wanting a lowercase freedom. You know, at this point, it strikes me, and it's a really good thing that I'm not God. (laughs) I don't want to be. I would have been like, really guys? Come on. Come on. I just raised Lazarus from the dead. I just healed the lepers coming into town. Bob, you see me right now. I see you seeing me because I touched your eyes and you can see. And yet you're excited about an earthly king. Joe, you're walking. I see you. And yet you still don't get it. Disciples, we have eaten, sweat, drank, slept, slept. The last three and a half years you have watched me multiply the food for the thousands and you don't get it not Jesus not Jesus he still received and accepted their praise what a gracious God we serve what a gracious Savior he is in the midst of eternity's biggest trial. He graciously wrote in and accepted the praise, even if it was for the wrong reasons and the wrong motives. Which brings me to a thought. Should should we pray to only be delivered from the trial? Should that be our only prayer? That we be delivered from this? Or should it be hand-in-hand with, Lord, yes, I would like to be delivered from this. This is hard. Or should it also be hand-in-hand with, Lord, what do you want me to learn through this? How can I praise you through this? When my brother-in-law first got sick and got the diagnosis, and they're thinking through treatment plans and and everything, and he, he said... We're going to fight like crazy and do whatever we can. But if nothing else happens, if God heals me, I want him to be glorified. If God does not heal me, I want him to be glorified. I want him to be glorified every step and every moment, every time I'm hanging over a toilet or somebody's cutting on me or sticking me or stabbing me or poking me. That's what he wanted. And what an example. What an example. He was praying to be delivered. He was. So were we. And we know God can do that if he chose to. We knew up to the second he took his last breath that God could come in and heal him. We had no doubt. And at the same time, we also knew that God may choose to heal him for all eternity and we just have to say goodbye for a little bit but better said by Uncle Tim right Elijah see you later and guys we have that hope for those who know him and trust him and believe in him we have that hope and Christ had that hope before him it's how he did this. You see God didn't the son of God did not use some divine supernatural power that we don't have to do this thing to ride in and accept the praise of his people even though it was for the wrong reasons. He didn't go to the cross under any other guise than what we also have access to us as we go through trials and life. You see, maybe I'm a little weird. Maybe I'm a little weird. So I'll confess this to you. I often pray for God to keep me in a place of knowing I need Him. Whatever that looks like. That I know that I need Him. And Lord, whatever that looks like, Whatever it takes, I pray that for myself. And I pray that for my family. And it's one of the hardest prayers you can pray as a parent. God, you do whatever you've got to do. Whatever it takes, that my family would serve you with their whole heart and love you unconditionally. And guys, that can be a scary ride. And what that can look like. And I know many of you know what I'm talking about. But to be in that place of knowing we need Him, that doesn't come when things are going great. I've never heard a testimony from somebody saying, man, I had the job I wanted. I had all the money I wanted. My marriage was fantastic. Everything was going my way. And man, I just grew so much. Has anybody heard that testimony? (laughs) No, because we are too prideful and selfish and sinful. And God knows that. And he graciously, lovingly allows us to go through things in our life so that we continually come back on our knees and on our face before him. So I'm one of those weirdos that thinks trials can be a blessing. I'm sorry. (laughs) I've just gone through too much. I've had friends and family go through too much to not believe this. Here's a newsflash, just in case you guys didn't know this. You're going to go through one. If you haven't already... If you're not in the middle of one, one's coming. The day it stops is the day our race here is done. Tim's trials are done. Adam, your stepdad's trials are done, brother. Mary Lou, Jeannie, and your dad's trials are done. And we could all go around the room and share others whose trials are done. But if you don't know Christ, when that day comes, your trials are just beginning. You haven't seen nothing yet as far as hardship and trial. Christ's example, in closing here, in Christ's example, And how he went through this. The same truths that we can grasp onto and and use in our own lives. He was rooted and grounded in the promises of God. Like, well, obviously, he was the son of God. He gave those promises. Yeah. But while he was on earth, those were the same promises that he held onto. Guys, while he was on earth, he prayed. Scriptures often... Talk about this. Luke 5:16 says, "Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. This is the Son of God. And he often withdrew to places to pray. How much more should we be praying? How much more? Guys, he knew the word. He was the word. He wrote the word and he knew it as a boy in the temple choosing to go learn and ask questions no doubt joseph and mary taught him scriptures as he grew i don't know whether he actually had to learn it or if it was just part of his human being incarnate fleshly dna you know if he you know who knows if he was cutting on a table he was making and missed. And if he bled, if like Psalms 23 bled out onto the table, I don't know. But he still learned. And I could just, I could just see him. I could almost just see him smiling as Joseph and Mary are teaching him the scriptures. And just going, amen. Amen. And even as an adult reading scriptures in the temple, as it says in John 7, Guys, we must be rooted and grounded in God's promises, and that will not happen without us continually going before the throne of God in prayer and studying His Word. Guys, he also believed in the promises of God. He believed in them. For the joy set before Him, in Hebrews 12, 2, He went to the cross. He despised it. He was so caught up in the promises of God and the joy set before him that he was like the cross is nothing. It's junk. It doesn't. That's not going to affect me. The separation from God, him turning his back on me because I'm taking on the sin of the world. He despised it because of the joy set before Him, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, of God the Father, glorifying Him, saving us. He was rooted and grounded in God's promises. He believed in those promises. and Guys, He did the next thing. He rode into town on the donkey. He took the next step. And sometimes that's what it looks like. As as I check in on Mary Lou and she's been checking in on me these last few days, it's like sometimes it's just that next breath. (sighs) Okay, now it's a step. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. You don't have to know about tomorrow. You don't have to know about next week. You don't have to know about five years from now. In this moment is, do you believe in God's promises? Are you rooted and grounded in them? Take the next right step. If you want a starting place, serve somebody else. That's what Christ did. Serve somebody else. And Mary Lewis set a fantastic example of that. She's continued to help serve meals here. She brought a meal to our house just a couple days ago while she's still grieving losses of her own family and friends. When we serve somebody else, it doesn't mean we're not mourning, it doesn't mean we're not honoring their memory. It does not mean that. It means we're doing what God has called us to do, to live out that GC squared life, the great commandment of loving God and loving others, and the great commission of going out and proclaiming his name, his word, his love, his truth. My brother-in-law did this up to the end. He left a legacy for those of us who are privileged to know him. He was rooted and grounded in God's promises. And he chose to believe them. I've never seen or witnessed or been around somebody who did this, going through some of the hardest things they could go through. Who did so with such a faith and such a trust and such a hope in God. Who still wanted to be around if God wanted him to be. He still had businesses he wanted to start on the side, still had ministry he wanted to do and had plans for if God allowed. God said, no, cowboy, you're done. You're good. Come on home. And even Friday night in the hospital, his last sermon he gave, he gave to my boys, my three little boys. <laughs> and he said, boys, I'll try to do his accent for you. I said, boys, he said, now nah. I may be laying here in this hospital bed. Can't hardly walk. Can't hardly eat. And a lot of pain. Cancer sucks. It does. But guys, God is good. God is still good. And even up to the last breaths he could take, and he could still talk, each each medical team that would come in and sign off, (laughs) he was thanking them. Thank you. Thank you for serving me and my family. Thank you for your work. God bless you. Thank you. He had most of them in tears as they left. And these are people who see this every day. And so for Tim, it was not goodbye, it was see you later. And for those of us who believe, when we lose a loved one who knows the Lord, it's see you later. The paycheck for sin is death, y'all. It's death. The gift of God is eternal life. Hosanna. It means save us. Please save us. Hosanna. Will we respond in triumph through our trials as Jesus Christ did? As those who have gone before us have? This morning we're going to take communion together. If I could have the Men come up for that, the deacons. and As they're coming up, I'll just read Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Passage on the Last Supper. And Jesus said, as they were eating, or I'm sorry, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So as you feel led, please come. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come join us in this. The worship team is going to come up first because they've, they've got one more song to lead us in here at the end. And I'm going to pray for us, but before I do, just... Just so you know, during this last song, I'm going to be up here on the front row. And if, if you do not know Jesus, but yet your heart is crying out, Hosanna, please save me. Please come up. You will not be shamed. You'll be celebrated for your choice as we celebrated Cora's baptism for her choice in that. It doesn't matter how old you are. But please, if you would like to meet our Savior, our King, and experience that true triumph, it doesn't mean that your life will be perfect. He's not promising a life full of prosperity and amazing things. He could do that. But he does promise triumph in the trials, a hope and a peace and a joy to be with you, to walk with you through the, life, through the rest of your life. And he does promise the triumph and the prosperity of eternal life in heaven. So Lord, please, let our time of communion and celebration and remembering of your life, your death, your burial, your resurrection on the cross as we take communion together, let it be a fragrant offering to you. God, speak to us. Those of us who know you already, God, speak that truth of your very real presence, your very real peace, your promises. We might have stronger faith to hold on to you through the trials. And God, those who don't know you, God, please open the eyes of their heart, as it says in Ephesians 1 open the eyes of their heart to you and your desire for not rules and regulations and boundaries but a relationship a loving grace filled relationship with you the only one who can truly satisfy you. your name.